This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to the Zoomer Week in Review, brought to you by CARP, a new vision of aging. Support CARP with your membership today. Visit carp.ca. Good afternoon and welcome to the Zoomer Week in Review, all things Zoomer worldwide. I'm Libby Snymer. White Christmas is one of the most enduring and frequently played Christmas songs. And like most of the most popular standards, it was written by people who weren't Christian at all. And hundreds of passengers are complaining about Air Canada's new glitch-filled reservation system. A consumer advocate tells us how to fight back. But first, here are your Zoomer headlines from around the world. You're all participating in a bonus based on the number of years of $10 million. Talk about a holiday bonus. That's how 81-year-old Edward St. John, the founder and chairman of St. John Properties, wanted to celebrate the company's recent accomplishment developing 20 million square feet of space across eight states. He thought it would take nearly 40 years to reach his goal. Instead, it took only 14. The bonuses for his 200 employees ranged from $50,000 to $270,000. Nearly every hospital machine, pumps, blood pressure, and heart monitors is outfitted with alarms. And the noise of all that beeping means hospital staff are less likely to respond, not to mention too many alarms torment patients. This, according to research firm ECRI Institute in the U.S., which says the increase in hospital noise could mean that staff are too swamped responding to alarms to notice a patient in distress or they spend too much time dealing with false alarms on the machines. This so-called alarm fatigue may be leading to patient deaths. A 91-year-old former Secret Service agent who was with John F. Kennedy the day the president was assassinated has died in Dallas. Winston Lawson says his life changed forever that day in 1963 and says he went on to live with regret for another half a century, wondering if he could have done more on the tragic day. Lawson was not only hired to guard the president, he was also the point man for Kennedy's trip to Dallas, chosen because of his attention to detail. Well, hi, and welcome to Sesame Street. You're just in time. That's the voice of Carol Spinney, the puppeteer who voiced Sesame Street's Big Bird and Oscar the Grouch for nearly 50 years. He died this week at 85 from a neurological movement disorder. The Enduring Kids Show issued a statement saying Carol Spinney's legacy will be unending. His chronic health issues forced him to give up puppeteering for Big Bird in 2015, but he continued to provide the voices for both characters. Legendary actor Kirk Douglas celebrated his 103rd birthday this week. He received birthday wishes from his family, including son Michael Douglas, daughter-in-law Catherine Zeta-Jones, and grandson Cameron Douglas on social media. 
Douglas, who was one of the biggest stars of Hollywood's golden age, is best known for his performances in the films Spartacus Champion and Ace in the Hole. I'm Libby Zneimer, and those are your Zoomer headlines from around the world. Here's a story I like to revisit every Christmas. Chestnuts roasting on an open fire Jack Frost nipping at your nose From the Christmas song to White Christmas to Winter Wonderland, many of the most iconic Christmas songs were written by Jews. It's the ultimate Yuletide irony and the subject of veteran filmmaker Larry Weinstein's documentary, Dreaming of a Jewish Christmas. I sat down with him when the film came out. This is something that is well-known in the Jewish community, but do people outside realize how many of the classic Christmas songs were written by Jews? No, I would say absolutely not. I mean, you know, some people in the know know about Irving Berlin's White Christmas, so okay, he's a Jewish composer, but they they don't realize that it's Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer and Winter Wonderland and Chestnuts on an Open Fire, the Christmas song, and Do You Hear What I Hear, and, and Rock Around the Christmas Tree, and Holly Jolly Christmas, and Silver Bells, and I mean, it even goes right down to the songs from How the Grinch Stole Christmas. That's a Jewish composer. Or the Peanuts, Christmas Time is Here, which is such a beautiful song, Jewish composer. I mean, it's it's a lot. It's about 20, 25 of the best-known Christmas songs are by Jewish composers. Why is that? You know, when, when Jews came from Europe, Eastern Europe mostly, there was so much discrimination and there were so few things that Jews were really allowed to do even. And they just showed this talent. The Jewish religion has a, a musical kind of tradition of prayers are sung in synagogues. Some of these composers were sons of, of cantors and they just very naturally wrote music, music that really reached people. And they did all kinds of music. The, the man who wrote uh, Take Me Out to the Ball Game was a Jewish composer, hadn't gone to a baseball game. And, uh, you know, they wrote Christmas songs, but they also wrote Easter songs and they wrote all kinds of things. And yeah, I think is, it was just a natural thing for them. Is it possible that as outsiders, that's one reason why you get such an idealized view of yeah. Christmas? Yeah, that's exactly it. Yeah, when you hear something like chestnuts on an open fire, it's something that's so warm and so family oriented. In a way, it's it's these people looking from the outside in. Chestnuts roasting on an open fire. I think it's about that idealized Christmas. White Christmas Jack is so nostalgic and so beautiful. It also redefines Christmas for people. <laughs> now, you know, since that song, people want to have a white Christmas. The weather forecast, will we have a white Christmas? It's all based on that song that a Jewish composer from Russia invented. I always get this sort of sense of your nose pressed against the glass looking at this Christmas thing that you weren't going to be taking part of. Was that part of it as well? Yeah, I think that that's very true, that some of my Christian friends have said, you know, if I wrote a song, I would talk about families getting together and arguing and fighting over the wishbone and and, and the various things that happen, whereas, whereas Jewish composers and Jews, I think, generally see it as this beautiful, idealized thing that, that they're 
secretly a little envious about. Uh, as or some, not so secretly. Yeah, I mean, as one as as Mark Breslin says in our film, because we have a variety of interviewees, our holiday Hanukkah just doesn't cut it. You get you get a dreidel and some stale chocolate, and um, it's it's not the same. You set this in a Chinese restaurant. Why? Yeah, well, you know, famously, so many Jews go to Chinese restaurants for for Christmas Day or Christmas Eve, and it's it's because traditionally it was the only restaurant that was actually open, and now there's a much bigger. You go, you're in a place like Toronto. There's so many choices of places that are open, but it's too late. The tradition is there. Rudolph the red-nosed reindeer. Tell me about what Rudolph the red-nosed reindeer is really based on. Well, Rudolph the red-nosed reindeer is actually probably the most Jewish of the songs, overtly Jewish in his themes. It was written by a composer named Johnny Marks, but the story came from his brother-in-law, Robert May, who worked for a department store in 1939, was commissioned to create a coloring book for their customers. And he came up with this idea of Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. And it was kind of based on his own childhood in New Rochelle, New York, which was not a very Jewish place. And Robert May was a kid who you know, was Jewish and his friends didn't really want to play with him. They called him names. And uh, so he wrote Did he this have thing. a red nose? <laughs> well, uh, Robert Harris is the wonderful interviewee who talks about this a lot in the film. And he says, well, red nose is a code for big nose. And he says that the wonderful thing about Rudolph is that he didn't get a nose job. <laughs> he took. He became proud of who he was. And Santa saw that. And, and then, of course, Rudolph lights the way for for the gift giving. But it's, it's, yeah, it's based on this feeling of being ostracized, but then being proud of who you are. And it's funny because we've all heard the tune millions of times. It's, it's rather banal in a way, but it has this extra profundity when you know that. And a lot of the songs, we have Winter Wonderland, which was the earliest of the songs we do from 1934. But then we have a reprise of it, Winter Winterland in Yiddish. With a klezmer kind of accompaniment, and you hear how Jewish sounding it sounds, the, the minor keys. Most of the songs aren't overly Jewish. The, the composers were, were not trying to make statements as Jews. They were proud of being Americans, and that's what that was about. What do you hope people come away with? Well, it's really a film about um, belonging and tolerance and and hope and dreams and magic, but it's about inclusiveness. Okay. Thanks for that. Thank you. That was filmmaker Larry Weinstein, Dreaming of a Jewish Christmas. Have you tried to deal with Air Canada lately? Just in time for the busy holiday travel season, hundreds of passengers are complaining about the airline's new reservation system, which is preventing them from changing or booking flights, and in some cases, endangering their personal information. Don't even ask about reaching them by phone. Passenger rights advocate Gabor Lukash has some ideas on what to do. When you buy a ticket, the terms and conditions set out in the so-called tariff stipulated the airline is required to A, rebook you if there is a scheduled change or flight cancellation on its own accord. And if you want to make a change, they have to make those changes if you're willing to pay the change fees. So what's happening now is that effectively Air Canada is making itself inaccessible and not allowing people to uh, do uh, what they are entitled to do with their tickets under the contract. 
we've also heard about people's private information being shared with other people inadvertently. What are the dangers of that in terms of identity theft or anything like that? Generally, you want to guard your personal information as personal as possible. And knowing when and where you travel could be a problem, for example, because if they know your address, they can break into your house while you're away. It could be used as some kind of identity theft by um, someone else showing up with the same name at the airport and traveling. I've heard such claims that, that someone went to the airport and said, no, someone in your name is already on the plane. Generally, those kind of private informations that can also be used to identify you by the airline. So they can say, you call up your bank and you want to do a transaction, they ask you what was the last transaction you made in your account. Same way the airline could ask you when did you travel last time as a way to identify you. And so if someone else knows your travel plans, it can be quite harmful. Okay, so they are having a computer glitch because of a new system. You'd think they might add more phone operators to help people. But I mean, people are talking about waits of an hour and a half of being cut off from waiting by the system. How can you explain this? I mean, isn't this hurting their business? It is clearly a very, very poor business practice. As a passenger, you do have the right to be rebooked. You do have the right to change your booking if your booking allows that for a fee change. So Uh, when they make you wait for hours and then they cut you off, that's an indication that the airline is not living up their contractual obligations to you. There is certainly some small, reasonable amount of time that you may have to wait, but making passengers wait for hours and hours, that's really wasting your valuable time. And I would hope that some passengers actually take Air Canada to court over the time they lost on these matters. We've seen stories, for instance, you're mentioning about the right to change your ticket that people had a certain time frame to be able to change their ticket at a certain price and they can't get through and they're losing money? And if they can document that they would have been getting a given price, but they cannot because of the glitch, then Air Canada will have to reimburse them for those damages. It's not always easy to prove, but I certainly encourage everyone to document it and not hesitate to, uh, to, to make those claims and even take it to small claims courts if needed. The transport minister, Mark Garneau, has received a huge number of complaints from customers. Now, he said he reached out to Air Canada, but there's nothing he can do. Uh, Do you accept that? There is something he could do, which is to direct the Canadian Transportation Agency to launch an inquiry into this and to take enforcement actions. Because Air Canada is not simply providing poor service here, but it's quite arguable that they are breaking their contractual obligations with the passengers to reprotect passengers, transport them in a timely manner, and to allow passengers to actually uh, make changes as per the contract of carriage. And ironically, this is all happening as the second tranche of the new Passenger Bill of Rights is set to take effect on Sunday. That second set of rules is really a second clawback, a step backwards to the passengers' rights, providing airlines with more loopholes to avoid compensating passengers. When you look at what actually is in the uh, those new rules, uh, airlines will not have to pay compensation if a passenger de- uh, is delayed or stranded, uh, and the airline just says that it was due to maintenance issues. We understand that bad weather can happen, and uh, airlines should be given a break perhaps when there is a genuine weather issue. But if their own aircraft, which they are supposed to maintain, breaks down, there is no reason on earth why Uh, the passengers uh, should not be getting 
proper compensation for that. How do you think and do you think that passengers will get proper compensation for, for what they've suffered because of these glitches? When we look at these glitches, under the new rules, um, there's no additional protection for, and for passengers affected by this. Passengers who are willing to fight for their rights under the existing law, including simple contract law, uh, may get compensation, may succeed in getting compensation if they are being persistent, because the airline clearly has a contractual obligation to uh, reprotect passengers, to allow passengers to change their bookings, and they have failed to live up to that. Okay, but it's going to be a long road. People will have to spend a long time doing it. I wouldn't say a long time. It means sending a letter of demand, possibly filing a small claim. It doesn't take that much, that long to do that. It more takes a determination to get to the bottom of it. If 1,000 people were to take their can of small claims courts over this, they would really be careful what they do next time because dealing with 1,000 small claims means a lot of resources for Canada and lots of money to settle those claims. So the only way to fight against this type of mistreatment of passengers is to make sure that airlines end up paying a price for when they misbehave. Gabor Lukács, thanks so much for being with us. Thank you very much for having me. That was Gabor Lukács of airpassengerrights.ca. That brings us to the end of this week's edition of the Zoomer Week in Review. I'm Libby Snymer. Thanks for joining me today. Be sure to come back next week to stay up to date with all things Zoomer worldwide. Zoomer Week in Review is produced by Zeev Huddy, Christine Ross, and Paul Thomas. Technical producer, Justin Eacock. Executive producer, Moses Snymer. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.